Welcome to another inspirational My Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Julie Davidson. To find out more about My Church, visit mychurchcanada.com. In the presence of Jesus, he brings out the best colors. He brings out the God colors in your life. He brings out the identity that he actually put on the inside of you. He brings out the best version of yourself. And so we're going to talk about this idea this morning and you know, as I was driving to pick up my kids at school, I had my, you know, school pickup playlist, otherwise known as 899. I'm not endorsing all this stuff that sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, like gosh, it's it's 11 a.m. How are we talking about this? But I'm driving around and I, I, I listen to that song and I'm sure a lot of you know, the beat goes like, uh, oh gosh, dun. I like me better when I'm with you. It's a good, it's a hooky beat. And as I'm driving, I was like, that's it. That's what I'm talking about on Sunday. So my inspiration came from Hot 89.9. The title of my message, hey, it drops and it falls wherever it does. And I'll, I'll take it. But I like me better when I'm with you. I like me better when I'm with God. The, the greatest version of who I am comes out when I am abiding and remaining in connection with Jesus. And uh, there's something incredible about being in the presence of God. And, and the truth is, I grew up, I was in the womb, in church, worshiping, you know, in the womb. And uh, that's what I like to think, anyway. But I was born in church, I was raised in a family that we put our faith in God, and I had this incredible example in my parents that, you know, the presence of, of Jesus is, is the only thing that will satisfy me. I, I learned this from a young age, and I recognize now at this stage in my life, I used to think, oh, I don't have an interesting story, and you know, there's no real like, whoa, moment in my life where I ran from God because the truth is I, I only knew to run to God. And I realize now what a beautiful, what a beautiful grace that was. And you might be going, well, that's nice for you. But the truth is that isn't my story. And that's, that's okay. I'm not sharing it like shame, you know. I'm just sharing my story and, and where I started. And we all get our start in different places. And we all go through different storms and, and, and backgrounds and family of origin. But for me, this is, this is the, the grace that I got to experience. And I realize it's a great grace and as a young girl, when I would go off to school, now this is the 90s, I'm in grade one, somewhere in the 90s, and uh, I would go off to school by myself. I would walk to school by myself. It was like a 20 minute walk, okay guys? This is, this is before the age of the white van. Does anybody remember the white van? Okay, the white van, I feel like it was, like it was national, that whole thing. I remember it was before that whole scare and I would go off and my mom describes watching me go, going off to school and she said, I would see you take me out this big park on top of a hill in our backyard, like what a dream. I would take off up this hill and, and I would zigzag pattern and go up the hill and I remember in grade one, like literally putting my hand out and imagining and truly walking 
with Jesus. And I would walk, and I was that, I was that girl who would walk and talk out loud. I didn't get no social etiquette and all that sort of thing. But uh, I would walk and talk with Jesus. And I would, I can just imagine I would talk, what, what was I going, what was I facing off with at that age? But I was just sharing. I was just walking with Jesus. And so this stage of my life, this is kind of probably the size of my shoes. How cute. These are my daughter's shoes. She's in grade one. And this is when it all began. <laughs> my feet were this big. And uh, this is when my walking with Jesus and this discipline of just taking a walk. Does anybody know that song? Oh, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And then, oh, the joy we share as we tarry there. No, none other will ever know. And there's something beautiful about walking with Jesus from a young age, five years old. I knew to, to walk with Jesus. And this place in my life, it began at a really early age where I was desperate for the presence of God. I was desperate to just share my heart with him, to share the mundane and the exciting and everything in between. And I looked forward to that walk. I can remember taking off. I'm like, I'm finally by myself. I can just air my heart with Jesus. It was, it was an incredible time in my day. And I looked forward to it, truly. I looked forward to it. And then... We jump a couple years and a couple seasons and some growing up happened and, you know, high school was over and I took off on an airplane to the other side of the world where I went to college in Sydney, Australia at Hillsong Church and I continued to walk with Jesus, but my shoes changed a little bit. This is actually my shoes right now that I run in and I need new ones because I've been running in these for a year and that's a no-no. But... um. I know, Heather, it's okay, I'll get some new shoes. Uh, especially my knee, you know. But uh, so I'm now a couple years later, about 13 years later, and I'm still walking with Jesus. And I find myself here, and, and as I'm running, in this season of my life, I so got the, the best you know, scenery. It's not what we have behind me there, it was an ocean. And I was running on the beach, and I remember, I remember this day, honestly, in this moment, because it was the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I found a journal just this last spring where I opened it up as we're purging our basement because we were moving house. And oh my gosh, we were there for three solid days because this is what I did. I'd pull everything out and I read every page. I was feeling every memory. I held up every little booty. I'm like, oh, Judah. I'm like, why did I ever put him in these? <laughs> you know, I'm just going there. I'm remembering. I'm thinking back on the seasons. And I'm, I read this part of my journal. It was in like 2005 where I said, the Holy Spirit just said to me that he will meet me on the road. And that this place with him is just our place. This is where he's going to uh, remind me who I am. This is where I can vent all of the stuff that comes at me. This is a place, and I actually, it actually said that this place is going to make you a better wife, uh, a better mom, and it will enable you to do the thing that God is calling you to do. And at that time, I had no idea what was waiting for me. I had pictures and, and, you know, things that I could see, but I truly didn't know what God was calling us to step out into or who I got to do it with. 
But in this season, he said, this place, I will meet you on this road. It's almost like an appointment. He's like, I'm here. I'm waiting. I'm at the table. You know, he prepares a table. He's like, come. Come to the table. I'm here and I'm, I'm waiting. I'll meet you here in this place. Am I saying that you need to pick up jogging? Please don't, don't miss, you know, what I'm saying this is my place, we, but we all have, and I think you can even in this place imagine your place where you naturally go, where you find rest for your soul, your still water, if you will. What is that place? He meets me here. And as he continues to meet me in this place, it enables me to pour out because it, out of the overflow of what he pours in here. Amazing, isn't it? And then we go on. We'll go on in the seasons of life, and I can just imagine there will come a day where it actually looks a little bit more like this. Well, actually, if I get new running shoes, I probably won't, maybe won't look like this. Um, I'll sustain my joints and everything else, but honestly, my prayer is that my life, I will consistently commit to walking with Jesus and for this place to be the greatest place, for this place to be where I'm put back together. You picked up all my pieces. I can just, I can imagine all the moments, I can think back to all of the moments where God defined me and he reminded me of who I am and who I was, where the, the voices of everybody around me literally fell off me as I shouted at the sky. This is who I am. This is who you've said that I am. And though this is going on, your promises are yes and amen. I'm holding on to them. It's in these places where inspiration has come, where a word for our house has come, where a word for our sisterhood has come. It's, it's, it's a beautiful place, and I'm grateful for it. There are so many wells, isn't, aren't there? There's wells that we run to. There's places that we run to, and there are spaces and places where we also hide in. And uh, there's a story in John 4. It's one of my favorites. It's all about the woman at the well. And a lot of us know this story. We're familiar with it. But I want to look at what Jesus said to her and what he did in her heart and lean into it this morning and, and get something out of it. John 4, 9, 10 to 15. You know, Jesus, is, he's been loving on people everywhere and he's tired. It's midday. The disciples went off to go get some food and, and he's now sitting at the well in this Samaritan village where he is a Jewish man and he's in a Samaritan village where Jews and Samaritans, they, they weren't exactly BFFs. If you know what I mean. They, were, they weren't on good terms. There was kind of like pitting against one another. And Jesus is at this well. And this is what he says to a woman sitting at the well. Now you need to understand how significant this is because the fact that a man, a Jewish man, is speaking to a Samaritan woman is just immediately, <gasps> right? Jesus is already just um, contradicting culture and belief system just in having a conversation. So I think we can securely say that Jesus is the OG sisterhood movement leader, okay? Everywhere he went, he was placing value on women and loving on them, seeing them, valuing them. 
And that's what he did here. He said, Jesus, uh, Jesus replied, because he basically saying, give me a drink. You know, she's, she's there drawing water for herself in a, in a natural place. And Jesus said, give me some water. And she's like, who do you think you are? You're a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman. Like, what do you want with me? Kind of like draw your own water. <laughs> and this is what he says. If you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and this well is very deep. It's like, whew, she's missing it. Where do you find this living water? Do you really think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well, drank it, for himself along with his children and livestock? Jesus answered, if you drink, now please hear this this morning, this is to you and I, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again and again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied for when you drink the water I give you, when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. Does that sound good to you here this morning? A spring gushing out, just like overwhelming your soul with endless life. The woman replied, let me drink that water. <laughs> now, if, you're, if I was there, I'd be like, oh yeah, okay, I'll have some of that, please. Yes, yes, please, sign me up. <laughs> Give me that, that water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. Now, how true is that of, of you and I? What he's saying to this woman is, you're drawing on a natural well. You're here going, it's a man-made well. She's like, well, Jacob made this well, a man-made well, looking to satisfy a need that is, is not a natural need. Jesus, in this moment, recognizes that there is, yes, there is a natural need to quench natural thirst, but he sees beyond the cover, and he sees behind the mask that she has up, and he addresses the real need. And he said, listen, I know what you are actually thirsting for. You're going to all of these things. You're running from this to that to the other thing to satisfy and to quench this thirst that you have. But what you thirst for is actually me. I'm here. I want to give you living water. And you will never be found in this place at this well searching for that satisfaction because you'll be so satisfied there will be a well within you. But there's all kinds of wells, isn't there, that we run to. There's all kinds of places, and, and yeah, sure, I, I've, I've been walking with Jesus for many years now, since I was three years old, and there's been many seasons and many moments where I've been found in his presence, and it can almost look like, oh, well, well done, you've, you've done it perfectly. The truth is, sometimes this place it's almost, I've had a detour before I found myself here. Just like as a young girl, I zigzag patterned. Well, I didn't zigzag with Jesus, I zigzagged on my own. Going to all kinds of different places to satisfy or to heal or to aid or to numb the pain or numb the hurt or numb the, 
gosh, why aren't I stepping into all that God has promised, trying to find solace, trying to find a place of rest? I've gone to all kinds of places, but nothing, nothing and no one rivals the presence of Jesus. What I have found is nothing and no one rivals this place, the presence of Jesus just being found, just as Caleb declared over Paulo, it's like, as you're found, put, put the broken pieces back together. It's in that place where he can piece you back together. Nowhere else can that be accomplished or take place. Nothing rivals the presence of Jesus. And you know, my, my daughter, Rowan, she's two years old, and I was changing her just last week, and as I'm changing her, she's like moving around because the truth is she probably shouldn't be in diapers anymore. But you know what? I'll get to that one day. Um, but I'm, we're doing this. And as I lean down to grab some clothes, she smacks me in the head with her foot like a, a really, like an, actually a good one, you know, where you have to like swallow the anger. <laughs> and I was like, I got, I'm like, Rowan. I said, no, you do not kick mummy. And she starts to cry. And the first thing that comes out of her mouth, she goes, I want chocolate. <laughs> and I was like, I've trained you well. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> How much? I laughed because I was like, oh, that's me. I saw myself. That's what I do. And that's very real. That's a very real thing. And I know all the women in the room are like, yes. <laughs> It's like Jesus, coffee, chocolate. Like that's the order, or, or coffee, chocolate, Jesus, depending on the day um, and what Bible you're reading. <laughs> but in this moment, I was like, oh, don't we, when we don't feel good, when we're being corrected, when we're walking through a difficult season, when stuff at home uh, there's tension when, you know, work is an environment that you are just like, okay, okay, I can do this. Like, you know, the pep talk all weekend leading into what's waiting for you on Monday. The relationships that are complex and layered and, and need healing and restoration. And then there's those memories from your childhood, that abuse that you have yet to crack open and take a look at and, and say out loud to somebody and acknowledge that it happened instead of pushing it down and pushing it down. There's all kinds of things that we're walking through in our lives and we can go to all different places to meet the need or actually quite the opposite, to numb the pain. There's all kinds of places and if we can just, you know, to help people get a picture, just throw up on the screens all of the places that we run to. You know, there's, let's just jump in. There's all kinds of, Matt, if you can throw that up. I love you. You're amazing. You got this, right? Cool. Okay. So, I don't know if anybody relates to this. I know you probably don't know what that device is, but that's called a cell phone, okay? And uh, you've got your phone. There are, we've never been in a time like we are today. I don't know if you connect to this at all, but it's never been so noisy, and uh, it's never, you've, uh, it's just absolutely wild what's happening in our culture right now. And I don't think there's uh, studies just yet that are showing the, you know, the outcome of how we're living. 
so connected, but so disconnected, right? But your phone is, can be this place where you go to. It's, it's a well. It's not a well. It's, it's an empty well, but it is a place, and it's a real place that we can go to and draw from. You've got your Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, information on information, streaming on streaming. Stephen Furtick said something. He said, if you put your validation in someone else's hands, you're going to have to keep going back to that place for it. When you put your validation, your affirmation, your value, your I'm enough in the hands of the likes and the comments and the follows or the unfollows or the unlikes or the missing the comments and noticing why are they commenting on all of their stuff and not on my stuff. Why don't they see me? They seem to like and comment every time on their posts and on my posts it's like cricket, cricket. No? Why didn't they invite me to that party? Why was I left out of that? You know, the truth is I got a like, likes and comments and a follow from heroes that I in a season imagined, just imagine the day where they would see my Instagram and see all the things that I'm doing and see, you know, the things that I'm saying. Repost anybody? <laughs> Oh, gosh, I won't go there, but I want to. You already know. Okay, just come to midweek. We talk about that kind of stuff, okay? Um, <laughs> but I got the like, the reposts of, the follow of heroes that I thought, gosh, when they finally see me, and when they finally follow what God's doing in my life, it'll be quenched. Well, can I be honest? I just, it just moved to the next. Thank you, but next. <laughs> it does not quench. It does not quench because what were we just reading in this story with the woman at the well? If, if you go to this place, to Jacob's well, to a man-made place, You'll be thirsty again and again and again and again and again. It'll never be quenched. It'll never be enough. Isn't it crazy? You wake up and it's like, you're thirsty. You're waking up parched. But that isn't God's promise. His promise is that there be a well, a spring of life within you, flooding your very being. Okay, there's the phone. There's the busy social calendar that we all love to tote. I saw even an agenda at Indigo yesterday. It's like, I'm busy 2020. I'm like, what a statement. <laughs> Almost like it's a badge of honor. But the truth is, a lot of us just keep running at high RPMs. And we keep busy social calendars where your nights are filled with dinners, with social hangouts, with hangouts on hangouts, meetings on meetings, you back to back, your work day even, when you don't need to. Because the truth is, if, if you experience silence and you're with yourself, then you're with yourself. And you begin to hear what is going on in your heart and you have to then deal with it. And so in order to not deal with it, we just get busy. 
and we just keep moving and we keep texting and we keep making plans. And even when we are alone, we get in the car and we put the radio on. So there's just noise. We're never silent. We're never stopping. Is this, are these things bad in and unto themselves? Gosh, no. I'm the greatest advocate of don't do life alone. Get in community. The phone can be used for beautiful things, for getting the message out, for sharing, and for socializing. What a thought. Not observation, but socializing. They're good things, but if they become your well. This is when, when we weigh it improperly. There's, it's, it's weight. It's what do you give weight to? What is, what is your well? Because these can be great things, but if abused, just not using them properly, then it can be detrimental and uh, just distract you from the one who matters the most. You know, you eat your feelings. Anybody else? <laughs> Chocolate! <laughs> you know, are you eating your feelings? Uh, I, I recognize this. If I'm in a stressful, I'm like talking to Caleb like, oh, I'm just stressed. Like, I had this conversation and it's just making me anxious. And, da -da -da -da. and the next minute I'm like grabbing a chocolate bar. And it's like, gosh... Uh, Maybe I'm making my savior my chocolate bar. You know, like we just, we go to food or, or maybe it's not just eating that is easing your pain. Maybe you are actually somebody who controls your eating. And, and because you become the master of what you eat and you're so controlled and you're so, you know, just trying to, to literally weigh it all and control it. You're trying to master something and have control. It's actually an issue of control because out here is out of control. So if I can control this and all of this, then I can control this and then I'm in control, you know. We use food for all kinds of things or maybe it's your body. Maybe it's exercise and it looks like a good thing. It's a healthy pattern. It's a healthy thing to do, but we can actually, again, control our bodies. Therefore, we control our, our world. You know, we have a friend who, you know, has gotten into bodybuilding, and we talked about that whole dynamic, and, and he said, yeah, he's like, if I, I know that if I do A, B, and C in the gym, I win, and I can get A, B, and C results. And, you know, I can't, I can't guarantee that in my work. I can't guarantee that in my relationships. And so, but here, here I can control it. And again, this is a well that we can run to when we're feeling out of control. It's like, well, I'll run to this place and find solace here. Shopping therapy. Anybody in this place? Shopping therapy. It's a saying for a reason. You buy, you consume, you shop. You pretty the outside. Because then you don't have to address the ugly inside. This looks like running to the shopping mall or running to, you know, this store here and there. Consuming, consuming, consuming. So you can beautify your home. So you can get the nicer car. So you can, you know, wear the right stuff. So it, you can look like you're all right. But the truth is on the inside, you're not. You're dealing. You're going to a different well. There's just so many places. I, I'd love to talk about work being your healer. If we can, work can become your healer and your calling can become your savior. What does this mean? It means when we feel like we're failing or losing, 
or not truly winning the wars within us. We turn to productivity and we turn to success and becoming a someone and doing something that matters where people will finally notice me, where people will recognize me because of my work and because of what I produce. It's, it's a performance-driven type thing because productivity is a beautiful thing. A life lived on assignment and, and becoming truly all that God has created you to be is a beautiful thing. But when we operate for value, rather than from value, it produces altogether different fruit, doesn't it, in your life? Because, gosh, when, when we know who we are, we become productive because we're operating from a revelation of I am loved. I am valued. You have a, a, a David-type spirit who goes, I am the beloved, and you go and you overcome the giants. You have victory, and there is success. But when we do it backwards, it produces stress. It produces anxiety. You burn the candle in the, the early morning and the late night, never resting. But there's a promise that I give my beloved rest and sleep. There's something in that isn't there. To rest in God and to trust that he can do it through you, through his grace. You know, isolation is your friend. Being isolated. You believe the risk of isolation is just, you know, greater than the risk of another relationship or friendship going rogue. You built yourself high towers and, and walls that no one can see over. And you wonder why nobody's asking you out anymore. And nobody's seeing how you're doing. But you've pushed and pushed and pushed. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. That nobody cares. That nobody cares for my soul and nobody sees me. But the truth is you have run to a well of isolation. To protect you from the life that God has actually called you to live. And influence and reach. So many wells that we run to. But you know, there's one well. There is one well that will satisfy every single one of these wells and will overwhelm whatever they can do and accomplish in your life. And that is being found with Jesus. You know, this woman at the well, what does he do in her life? He said, I'm going to give you a, a, a drink that will satisfy you forever. When you drink the water I give you, it's going to become a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up. I think some of us in this room can, are sitting here going, is that possible? Is it possible to have this kind of experience? Well, I would say to you here this morning, have you waited long enough? Have you waited long enough? He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I am his own. The joy we share as we tarry, as we tarry in this culture and in this time where it's like, if it isn't now, I'm out. There's something beautiful about tarrying, about being with Jesus, resting in his presence. Something happens that is miraculous. It's unexplainable. It's, and the only reason I think we underestimate what the presence of Jesus can do is because all of these wells haven't done it. And so we apply the same outcome of these wells to the presence of God. But they are not the same. The outcome.
outcome is miraculous and, and beautiful. Psalm 8410 says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. Why is that? Why is one day with God better than a thousand running around to all these different places? Because what the presence of God can do in a day pales in comparison. The first miracle of Jesus, he turns water into wine. And they said, this is the best wine. This is the best wine there is. Why did you save it for the end? Well, in that time, it took about 50 years to make the best wine. What does that say to you and I? What could take 50 years in and of your own strength and running to these other places? In a moment, in a moment with Jesus, he can accomplish what would take all, like a lifetime, the rest of my life, in a moment. So we've gotta get good at running first, running first, don't waste your time, time is short. I looked up life expectancy in Canada for women just to get a revelation. I've got under 50 years left. I don't have time to waste like I did in my youth, running from this place to that place when I know it's this place. This is the only place that will satisfy, heal me, restore me, remind me who I am, put the broken pieces back together. Let's be found in his presence. This is the outcome. It says in Psalm 32, I, I used to keep everything inside. I didn't process my pain with the Father. I kept it all inside and that dishonesty, it devastated my inner life, causing my life to be filled with frustration. Anybody else short fuse these days? I don't know, it's just me? Um, filled with frustration, irrepressible anguish and misery, the pain, it never let up. Your hand of conviction, it was heavy on my heart. My strength was sapped. My inner life, it dried up like a spiritual drought within my soul. But then, but then I stopped running. I stopped running to everybody else and everywhere else and I brought to you. I was vulnerable, I was transparent. I let you in on the pain that you already saw in my heart, but I expressed it. I gave it language, I got it out. I admitted to you all my sins, refusing to hide. Gosh, refusing to hide. We can hide in these places. We can hide in these places. We can hide in, me too, we can hide. We can hide, but it's in the presence of God where you can go, search me, God, search me, search my heart, know me, know me. I know you already do, but I'm, I'm now inviting you to know me. I'm now giving you permission. My life-giving God, I'm, I'm not gonna hide from you. I'll openly acknowledge them to you and what happened all at once. This is the miraculous part that we underestimate. And all at once, all at once, the guilt of my sin washed away and all of my pain disappeared all at once. All at once. You know what, what has taken you 10 years with your counselor and you're still battling and warring What's taken you 20 years to finally say to your connect group leader, this happened to me when I was seven. What's taken you 
this much time to admit or deal with and you've been walking with it. I believe that there is healing in the presence of Jesus that just nothing rivals it. Nothing can do what God can do all at once. Many are the sorrows and frustrations, many of those who don't come clean with God, but when you trust in the Lord, His wraparound love, it surrounds you, it heals you, it restores you. And those, those words, they begin to fall off. They begin to just fall off of your life. The lies begin to be overwhelmed with truth and with His presence. And that, that, that tough shell and those walls that you've built up brick by brick, hurt by hurt, pain by pain. It's incredible how in, the, in a moment, in the presence of Jesus, a fortified city of offense and bitterness can be floored. And what actually breaks down the walls? Do we remember what breaks down the walls? It's praise. And all I did, all I did was praise. All I did was worship. All I did was bow down. It's not hustle and heart that sets us apart. It's this posture. It's this posture of worship. It's this posture of, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't have what it takes. And I question if I'm enough and I've got all of this stuff, all this pain and all of this history standing up against me. But I know that if I just wait, and if I just be in the presence of Jesus, it's incredible that those walls start tumbling down. And they do. In a moment, all of a sudden, that's what I'm believing God for in our house. In this season, it's for all of a sudden kind of moments to take place in our lives and in our hearts. You know that we wouldn't have to walk around the mountain 50 times before there's victory. But because of our dependency on Jesus, because of our resilience to, I'm gonna praise through whatever season I am in, whatever storm I find myself in, whatever comes up against me, I'm gonna find myself here on my knees in the presence of Jesus. And as I find myself here, I learn nothing rivals this. Why did I run? That's what happens. You come to this place, you go, why was I running so long? from this place that heals me, restores me, puts me back together. You defend my heart. It's just the most beautiful place that you could ever be found in. To be still, be still and know that the Lord is in control. Be still and know, Psalm 4610, it says, surrender your anxiety. Surrender your anxiety, be silent, and stop your striving. And you will see that I am God. Surrender and stop your striving, and you will see who's God in the story. It's not you. It's not your talent. It's not your ability. It's not your gifting. It's not whatever you've got going on. You'll see that I am God in your life. 
And truly, you'll, you'll, you'll experience grace like never before. In this season in our house, can I prophesy? Do I have your permission? Because I'm gonna prophesy some audacious things over our house. And it's because I sense it in my spirit in this season so strong. You know, there's a momentum that comes from man. And then there's momentum that comes from the spirit of God. And in this season, as we have, with great fear and trembling, stepped out and believed God out of his word and said, okay, I'm no longer gonna operate from myself and my, our gifting, our talent and all that. No, 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 it's all, this season is, it's all about Jesus. This season, it's all about Jesus. And every time I've hit this platform, I've talked about abiding. And then I've talked about being in the boat and anchoring yourself to, to Jesus. And now again, I'm saying the presence of Jesus, nothing rivals it if you hear a theme. It's this season. You see, every season's about Jesus, of course it is. But there is something about this season in our house where he, he's wanting to quiet all of the noise, all of the noise, all of the distraction. And he's like, just like, oh, you know, like blinders, like he's grabbing us and going, look at me. Just look at me, put your hope in me. Put your focus and your attention on me. Be found in my presence because as our roots go down deep in that place, we will have the grace to rise up in Jesus' name into the body that he is calling us to be. But we must be anchored. We must be rooted in him. I wanna prophesy intimacy over our house individually and corporately. I'm believing that you're gonna experience breakthrough in your life, in your personal life, like never before. And the byproduct of that will be a house coming together. And, and there's gonna be freedom that will reign in this place like never before. The atmosphere is gonna be such a, an incredible atmosphere where as the musicians strum and as the vocalists sing, prophetically and as they sing what's written on the screens something will happen something will arrest people coming in from all walks of life because because there will be a people who will no longer be looking to the right and looking to the left but it'll be a people so fixed on Jesus <laughs> because it's Jesus that we need people need a drink the people out there, they need a drink. Are we drinking? Are we, are we satisfied in Him? Why don't you all stand up? We hope this message blessed and encouraged you. To find out more about our church, visit MyChurchCanada.com.